This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world with all the latest business and market news. This morning, let's speak to Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. Let's start with the latest from the Asian markets. A mixed picture to start the week? Yeah, look, most markets are a bit lower in Asia today, except for China. China markets have risen after uh, China presented some extremely strong uh, GDP data this morning. So they've bucked the trend. But we saw US equities retreat on Friday. And with the US holiday today for Martin Luther King Day, Asian markets mostly follow suit. So Singapore's down, the Kospi, the Nikkei in Australia. We've also been complicated by the fact that uh, over the weekend, the Trump administration uh, announced another executive order preventing uh, US companies from selling uh, semiconductors to uh, the Chinese telco uh, Huawei. Indeed, more of that in a moment or two. I just wanted to ask you about those GDP figures from China. Chinese economy growing at a faster rate than before the pandemic. Yeah, look, there's certainly a recovery aspect to this. Uh, year uh, 2020 GDP will have grown by 2.3% when the dust settles. Uh, that's not great for China, but just about for everybody else in the world, that would be a wonderful uh, number. What we're seeing here is a, a continuing acceleration of demand globally for made in China products. So after the lull of uh, the sort of the March to June quarter, of course, caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and and lockdowns everywhere. We've seen a relentless acceleration in demand for Chinese goods since then. These numbers have confirmed it. And uh, and it's my strong opinion that uh, China will continue to lead the world out of this global recession in 2021. Although, after a a long period without hardly any cases of COVID-19, starting to return to China, is that any worry at all for those in charge of the Chinese economy? I really believe it's only going to be an issue if we start seeing large mega cities such as Shanghai, Beijing and other cities in the industrial heartlands uh, and the financial heartlands uh, start to suffer from lockdowns. China itself has actually been having uh, COVID-19 cases uh, imported for all of 2020 particularly uh, along the border with Russia and China, where there's a lot of uh, movement back and forth with commerce. Some of those uh, cities have suffered quite regular outbreaks of uh, COVID-19, not on huge scales, but fairly regular outbreaks. The thing about the Chinese uh, government is that they have a lot of power, obviously, to impose restrictions, quarantines, movement controls. It's nothing for them to lock down an entire city and make sure it's properly locked down. So when uh, the Chinese government tells you to do something, you do it. Now, in the West, we may find that a little hard to stomach, but actually, in the context of managing pandemics or stopping them in their tracks, it's actually a very effective form of governance. So I don't think we really have to be too concerned about that because China probably has more tools at its disposal to manage these sorts of situations than just about any other country in the world. You mentioned earlier the USA adding another Chinese company to its blacklist. Is this a last hurrah from the Trump administration? 
Yeah, Johnny, to a certain extent, I believe it is, but it may not be the last hurrah. In the last two days of the administration, we may see more movement on this front, some more executive orders being thrown around. I believe that the market impact on it has been relatively muted uh, because there's a very high chance, I believe, that a lot of these executive orders are going to be reversed by President Biden after Wednesday afternoon when he assumed power. And I suspect that's the feeling in the markets as well. We also have had very little visibility on what uh, the Biden administration's foreign policy attitude will be to China, whether they're going to be as aggressive as Mr. Trump, which I find unlikely, uh, but equally as unlikely, I, I don't think we're going to see them go back to the to the pre-Trump era either. I still believe that the Biden administration will still be quite firm with China, but we should see the toxicity in the relations uh, dialed down a bit. Indeed, and that Trump legacy that everybody talks about, obviously he has his major critics, particularly after what's happened over the last couple of weeks or so, but the way he took on China did actually get a lot of people's respect, and it'll be interesting to see how the Biden administration follows that. Same thing with Iran as well. Yeah, I mean, the markets are pricing in that he's going to reach out to Iran and re-engage with their um, nuclear limitations agreement, etc., etc. I don't think that's a done deal at all. And I suspect that there are many out there who don't regard Iran as a reliable partner. I, I believe that relations with China have uh, changed forever. And despite what you may say about Trump himself, and I know he's a polarizing uh, figure, some of the underlying reasoning behind their attitude towards China does have uh, merit. They have had predatory uh, trade practices for a long time, including forced technology exchanges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list is long and we all sort of know what they are. So actually forcing China to play on a more level playing field, opening up their markets uh, in response to uh, Chinese companies being able to come over to international markets, et cetera, et cetera. It has merit. Now, how they chose to execute that uh, policy, you could probably argue quite strongly with, but uh, definitely there has been some gains in the Trump administration. You could also say the normalization of uh, relations between the UAE and Israel was quite a foreign policy triumph as well. So it's not been without some wins, but they've been drowned out in the noise of everything else that's gone on. Indeed, I was going to ask you about his legacy. And as you said, he has been the most polarizing president in history, but he has scored some wins. Do you think history will look a bit more kindly on the Trump administration? This is the last time we're going to speak before President Biden comes in. You've already alluded to it already, but do you think that the Trump administration overall, from an economic point of view, notwithstanding COVID, did rather well? Well, the economy was running quite well before COVID-19 came along. There's no doubt about that. But it was actually starting to slow down. The world was actually entering a, a, a soft slowdown, a slowing of economic activity before COVID-19 went and changed the narrative completely. To a certain extent, I think there was an element of luck there. There's usually luck with US presidents. They all, like truly good politicians, uh, claim... Uh, claim economic success uh, and then put the blame on poorer performance on their predecessors. So that's just politics. So I think he got a little bit lucky in that respect. I did note before COVID-19 that the US government was running trillion dollar deficits 
even before COVID-19 came along. So their accounts weren't looking great. He cut corporate taxes and that was uh, very well received, obviously, by corporate America. Can you say that he did much to make society more equal, to impact on uh, social and economic exclusion and wealth inequality, uh, some of these underlying problems that have been dogging American society and probably the underlying cause for a lot of the tension that we see in American society. I think the jury will be out on that one. I don't think that the Trump legacy, even when they look back at it in 50 years' time, will be really that favourably received by historians. Okay, well, USA gearing up for the inauguration on Wednesday. As you mentioned before, US markets closed today for a public holiday and it goes without saying that markets will be looking for as peaceful a transition as possible we've got tens of thousands of u.s troops and police on the streets of all the major cities right across the country so they'll be hoping for uh, peace over the next few days and weeks uh, because it can affect markets uh, it affects all of us of course they'll be edgy won't they just to make sure that things don't go too badly in that transition yeah, I totally agree with you there. There is some nerves around, and I think part of the reason we saw equity markets fall on Friday afternoon was investors looking at the event risk for this week and saying to themselves, let's just take some exposure off the boards. I don't think it was any more than that. We saw US bond uh, prices rally as well, which says to me that investors were rotating out of equities and putting it more in those haven asset classes like US bonds, the sort of places you put money uh, when the world's a bit uncertain. I, I remain sceptical as to whether there'll be mass protests on, on Wednesday, simply, I think, because a lot of America is in shock about what happened uh, last week uh, and the sheer weight of policing. They were caught uh, effectively with their pants down uh, with the capital invasion uh, after the, uh, the Trump rally, and, and that's definitely not going to happen again. I think if we get through the inauguration uh, without any incident, uh, then we'll see stock markets rally. Yes, and they'll of course be hoping that the new commander-in-chief sticks to his promises uh, of that mega stimulus for the American economy. Trillions pumped into the US economy, they hope. Yeah, look, $1.9 as a starting number is uh, pretty impressive. I mean, that's really just fiscal stimulus to get uh, America through the latest uh, rounds of uh, COVID-19 and its effects on the economy to help out the state and to actually get the COVID-19 vaccine um, uh, campaign properly organised and out there in scale, which needs to happen. Whether we see that pass with those headline numbers through the Senate is another thing altogether. And we have to remember that some of the Democrat senators, they're not out there on the left, uh, as is the perception. Some of these Democrat senators from the South are very much centred to slightly right. So they may not fully buy into uh, spending large ease from the government anyway. There are also uh, some fiscal rules like the bird rule, which I won't go into, that uh, act as uh, breaks on uh, government spending within the US Senate. So uh, I, I know that President Biden has stated that he would like bipartisan agreement. I think that is going to be very challenging. So... I, I believe we're going to see a bill, and it probably will be over $1 trillion, but whether it's near to $1.9 trillion, I'm slightly sceptical. I think it's going to have to go on a severe diet in order to get through the Senate particularly. 
Before we have a, a look ahead to the rest of the week's offerings, I wanted to ask you about Deliveroo raising an extra $180 million from existing investors. This is what it said on Sunday, including minority shareholder Amazon, of course. That values the business at more than $7 billion, and it looks like there's going to be a public offering in the next few months. Well, um, you know, that's just another, uh, I guess, if you want to call it a tech company uh, coming to market. I, I have a feeling that uh, the reception may be more uberish than um, exuberant. Does that mean you're suggesting it doesn't make any money? <laughs> I'm being polite here, yeah. And, 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 and it also shows you the crazy valuations that are running around at the moment for scaled startups, uh, although I guess delivery can't really be classified as a startup now. I, I, I question the motives of it. I mean, it's clearly a mechanism for institutional uh, shareholders to, um, to exit, to take profit. That's their want. Unfortunately, Joe Public buys the stock and sometimes things don't work out well. Uh, you know, if the world returns to more normality in 2021, perhaps there will be less demand for its services. Um, but that, that price seems a very richly priced uh, $7 billion for, for, for Deliveroo. Uh, so, I, I mean, I can see that if they do have an IPO, the shares are going to rocket on the first day because you can pretty much float anything on the stock market at the moment and it seems to double in price on the first day. It's very much like the 19, late 1980s, if uh, anybody can remember those days or perhaps closer to the, the tech bubble of the 2000s. As a long-term business, sustaining that valuation, I believe delivery will have challenges. Unfortunately, I can remember those halcyon days in the late 1980s, uh, Jeff. Uh, it seems like another lifetime you know, ago. <laughs> it certainly was, before the age of the internet and mobile yeah, phones. Yeah, we all actually talked to each other in person. Finally, before I let you go, let's look ahead to the rest of the week's uh, big business news to come. Um, apart from a new president, what else is going on? We've got US earnings season uh, coming through uh, all of this week and it will be over the next couple of weeks. Although I don't think there'll be particularly market, strong market impact from, from those numbers, but it will give us an idea of uh, the, the state of corporate America um, as it is in 2020, but also more interestingly, how they see the world in 2021. We saw uh, Citibank and JP Morgan CEOs taking a rather more cautious look, outlook towards 2021 on Friday. And uh, that also partially explained why equity markets retreated. We have the Bank of Japan um, uh, rate meeting on, on, uh, on Thursday. There is speculation in Tokyo they are going to, to tinker with their uh, quantitative easing and yield curve control program, and we've seen the yen rally on that. I frankly would be very surprised if they did anything, but uh, that's always the possibility. Malaysia will probably cut rates, but otherwise we have a lot of tier two data coming out uh, this week in the world, but no tier one data. We saw China GDP today, and that's really the highlight of the week until we get down towards initial jobless claims in the US on, uh, on on Thursday. So lots of noise, not much substance. And I think the real the real event uh, that the world will be watching this week is a peaceful uh, transfer of power and a new American president. Yep, let's hope so. Jeff Halley, Oanda Senior Market Analyst for Asia Pacific. Thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you.